folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collard here, and we are launching a series that will be going on all through the offseason in which I bring on a guest and have them make a list of five Vikings, and for every guest, the topic will be different. And to kick us off, the leadoff hitter, so to speak, from the Star Tribune, Patrick Royce, will be giving us his list of five favorite Vikings to cover. Patrick, what is going on? Uh, uh, not a heck of a lot. That's, uh, that's the problem with life, isn't it? Not <laughs> right. a heck of a yes. lot. There's not much going on. Uh, Netflix, I'm down to, uh, I, I, I've told this story. I knew I was in trouble in the pandemic a couple of weeks ago when I was watching a 20 year old documentary on a guy who had a fortune telling TV show on in Puerto Rico and was extremely popular. And I said, I said, this is uh, we we need some new stuff here. Anyway, that's so not much going on. Uh, at least we had our football season. Um, yes. It it did happen. Uh, maybe the results were not what a lot of people wanted, but I, I always wanted to stop throughout the year and say, at least this happened, because those of us who launched a business around covering the football team would have had things a little tight if uh, the Minnesota Vikings had not played. So, well. You- and the NFL, you know, they had a they had some fiascos like making teams play without quarterbacks and stuff, but they got them all played. It's pretty miraculous when you consider college football, which you consider is going on with the NBA right now that mm-hmm. they're out of their bubble. It's pretty amazing that they played them all. It's, no, it, uh, it, it is. It really is, and to only have a couple of minor disasters with this, considering how much it's been a problem for everybody else in the world. Uh, I think it really speaks to them making a legitimate effort to form the tightest protocols that they possibly could. And to, I mean, I I don't like to give the NFL too much credit here, but like to actually enforce them. And it seemed like the coaches did a good job of that. The Vikings did a great job of not having any games where they were short five or six players or something like that. So they, they do deserve uh, the credit. So I know that you, sorry, go ahead. There's 80 of them running around out there. (laughs) Talk about guys. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a basketball team. This is 80 guys running around that are between the injured list and the taxi squad and everything else. So what I was thinking incredible. about, 
is it's good that uh, they didn't have to do it at Winter Park, that they had TCO Performance Center, which is mammoth. But at Winter Park, it was a little oh, tighter yeah. for everybody. It, you know? would have, it would have been difficult. That old handball court that they had in there would have uh, – that they turned into a press room at one time would have been a little tight. Yes, it would have. That's true. Yeah, that would have been a little bit difficult, but but, but we got through it. So uh, for your list, I know that you made more than five, and you have a couple of honorable mentions before we get into your five favorite Vikings to cover. Um, so maybe you want to start there with your honorable I, mentions I before we get into the list. list. I finished my list, and you got to think, this isn't just good guys, you know. This isn't just, boy, I really like this guy, so yes, I like to cover him. And uh, and by the way, I did not, as old as I am, I did not cover him in the Super Bowl years. I, I did the uh, visiting locker rooms uh, after the baseball season was over in the 70s, and that was that was interesting. But I didn't really cover the Vikings until 79, so I missed the uh, I missed the Super Bowl game. So none of those guys would be on this list. But I, I thought I should mention Ahmad as uh, one of my favorites to cover because he was. You know, the smoothest guy that ever lived. Uh, Rosen, Mark Rosen had him on his uh, TV show. He basically kicked off Rosen's Viking show. He had the Sports Illustrated diary four weeks of, uh, of Ahmad's things. And I was writing columns for the little old St. Paul Dispatch. And virtually every week, I would take a little shot at him for never going over the middle. <laughs> I figure out a way because he, you know, he loved to he loved to catch that ball on the sidelines and step out of bounds. And right in the middle of all that diary stuff that he was doing in Sports Illustrated, Frank DeFord, for goodness sakes, wanting him, he comes up and starts barking at me one day in the uh, in the uh, locker room out there at Winter Park for having made some crack about him. Uh, uh, not going over the middle. And I said, nobody in this side of the river ever sees the dispatch. It's two sentences. How did you find it? <laughs> I was, uh, I was always amazed that he was easy to agitate. So I like it. And he was not hostile. You know, it was, what are you doing, man? And I, you know, and I'd say, what are you doing? You're having parades <laughs> for you. What do you care? So I always thought he was a very interesting cat to cover. Uh, that, that's for sure. And, uh, another one was Chris Carter and, uh, and you, and you know, enough guys who are veteran Viking people now who will tell you that, you know, people who covered him who, who never were big fans of Carter because he was egomaniacal and, uh, you know, he was just really could be a complete jerk if he wanted to and, and did that rather routinely. But he was really an interesting cat, man. He was, uh, you know, once in a while he would be, uh, he would, you know, he would be effusive and, and talk uh, and answer questions and do this. And he was, uh, you know, and he was sort of, he and Moss together, one of the great combos ever, yet they were always, you never got the, you know, he Everybody says Moss didn't like him, but Moss spent a couple off seasons working out with him down there in the, the Chris Carter training camp and stuff. But then, you know, when poor Culpepper was the quarterback, both Moss and Carter would come over and scream at him after every series <laughs> saying they should have gotten the ball more. But I found Carter just really 
I I enjoyed having him around just because of his unpredictability, I guess. And there was always, if you went in that uh, locker room after a game uh, and and he happened to this be one of his days when he was talking, there was always a story in Chris Carter. So I, I always liked that about him. I wouldn't put either of those guys in my top five, though. I would give them uh, strictly honorable mention. So well, I am jealous of uh, people who got to cover Moss and Carter, um, not only because they were both really interesting dudes who always had storylines everywhere with them, um, but just – also watching them play up close and personal too. I mean, Chris, Chris Carter, it's, it's weird to say doesn't get enough credit because like, of course he's loved and everything else, but I mean about the best pair of hands that history has ever created. Right. So, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the middle of the field, 15 year guy and the deep guy, there's never been better. Right. I mean, as right. far as yeah. you can't call Carter a possession receiver, but uh you know, you could throw the ball on the line 15 yards downfield and he was going to catch it. He kind of invented that sideline mm-hmm. tiptoe thing that everybody does now. I I contend, uh, Matthew, that the biggest change in football, well, not the biggest change, but one of the biggest changes in the last 10 years is how amazing the wide receivers are. They just, you know, they, they make incredible catches. But these guys were doing it. 20 years ago, you know, so right. that, you know, that's, they were kind of the precursors to what we see routinely now from these monsters who <laughs> I'd hate to be a D back. They say, cause you can't use your hands and stuff. Actually, they let them be real physical this year, but even if you're holding them, they're going to reach up with one hand and catch the ball. It's amazing how good they are. But these guys were that good 20 years ago, as I say, so. Yeah, it's fu- it's funny to watch uh, college football and just see like balls bouncing off people and you know catching it with their chest or whatever. And then you go to the NFL and everybody has somebody who's like their Chris Carter who can catch absolutely anything. Uh, Chris Carter also responsible for my favorite coach quote of all time, which was Buddy Ryan saying, "All he does is catch touchdowns." <laughs> yes. In a negative way. Yes. Like, yes. That's all he does. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, well, who would ever want that? <laughs> I think they got him for a hundred bucks. That, uh, that helped dig him out of the uh, Herschel Walker hole. there, not having any draft choices because they got him for a hundred bucks. But you talk about receivers this year, that Deandre Hopkins game winner might be the greatest catch I've ever seen. Cause it's unbelievable. I mean, there's three guys there clawing at him and he goes, thunk. And the ball doesn't hook, and the ball doesn't move. It was unbelievable. And uh, the um, the strength of the hands, like yeah. even with watching Justin Jefferson, where it's, if it's anywhere near him, he's just gonna grab it out of the yeah. air. Um, yeah, it's truly amazing. It is amazing. So I'll give so you. Let's, a, uh, let's start with your with your list. Uh, do, why don't we just why start don't you at the, throw at the, the top names of your list? I put out there, and then I'll tell you what I thought of them. You just I gave okay. Me let's let's do and it. and th- and what I love about this is because, uh, like you said, you didn't cover them like way way back. So everyone on your list except for one, I'm I'm fairly familiar with just from loving football as a kid. Um, so Wade Wilson is where you wanted to start. And 
you know me. I mean, I love journeyman backup quarterbacks. I also love the day in the NFL where if they didn't like how the starter was playing, they'd just give him the hook. Be like, I don't know. He doesn't have it today. Let's throw in the other guy. And Wade Wilson is the other guy all the time. And I love his 87, you know, run to the NFC Championship. So why is Wade Wilson on your list? Uh, he is one guy that is on that list. Certainly. Strictly because of accessibility. A great guy. You could call him at home if you got his number. He'd give you good stuff. And he, and he's also an amazing story. I mean, he's a ninth round draft choice. He just sat there and he was, he was uh, Tommy Kramer's caddy. Heck, he was a third teamer for a while. And, and Kramer always kind of, you know, was friendly to him. But he gave him the nickname Whiskey, you know, and because he got him, I must have got out and tried to drink with Tommy once and failed miserably as everybody else <laughs> does. But, but, but somehow, you know, getting third team reps and, uh, you know, being a ninth rounder out of East Texas State or whatever round he was picked in, he kept getting better and better and better. And at the end, Bernsey had this incredible loyalty to Kramer, but at the end, he had to start playing. You know, Kramer got hurt a couple mm-hmm. times, but Wilson came in. Wilson threw a much better deep ball than Tommy Kramer, and Wilson, you know, got on that run. 87, he was great, and, uh, you know, he was the guy when they made the 87 run, and then 88, they started him. Even though, if you look at that year, Bernsey went back to Kramer a couple, three times. Bernsey had this love <laughs> of Kramer. But Wilson was just a, an ex, you know, an explosive player, a really, really neat guy, and a great story, and uh, you know, really sad. He had a diabetic, you know, which ended up costing him his life at age sixty, way too young. After he became a, you know, a, a good coach, a quarterbacks coach with yeah. the Cowboys, I think at the end there. Yep. But uh, Wade Wilson, Whiskey Wilson, I just. Uh, you know, you could you could get him on a. I think I got him on a phone one night before a championship game or something. <laughs> I mean, he was he was just that kind of guy. He was a he was a good uh, good guy. And I was, you know, that was that became a big thing for columnists. That you were either you know Wilson or Kramer. You know, we, oh, we sure. turned that in, we turned that into a nice little. Uh, you know, this is way before your time, but. Uh, uh, the Kilmer, Sonny Jurgensen thing in Washington, you know, you were one side or the other. You couldn't be on, on both. And it was a, it was a, it became a Kramer Wilson thing. And of course, the disadvantage for both of them was, you know, if Kramer started and played lousy, everybody leave the stadium saying they should have played Wilson. <laughs> Wilson started and played lousy. They, they should have played Kramer, but, uh, Wade Wilson was, uh, I, I love that guy. He was, uh, he was, you know, just a, a good guy, great story. And, uh, and, uh, you know, had one of the most probably, you know, 09 was extremely interesting run that they made. Cause I don't think even with, with Favre here, we expected it, but there's never been a run this team made to compare with 87. You know, the twins yeah. just won the world series right. first time. Right. That's all we were worried about. They lost their last two games of the regular season, and it, in, on Saturday afternoon, 
Uh, it didn't look like they were going to make the playoffs. They needed Dallas, which was terrible, to beat St. Louis. And they so they backed into the playoffs, and we ridiculed them. Something fierce. <laughs> and then they go kiss the living hell out of New Orleans and uh, it got Joe Montana boot up the field in San Francisco right. and almost beat Washington. That would have been – you beat the New Orleans' first good team and then the 49ers and then Washington on the road. If they would have done that, that would have been one of the great runs in football history, and Wilson was the quarterback. So. And uh, he's maybe one catch from a running back away from doing that. Um, yes. What I love about Wade Wilson is that he averaged eight yards per attempt in 87 and 88, which is unheard of for the year. Well, I mean, yeah. that mean, that means the dude was launching the ball. He was not, <laughs> he was not checking down or throwing underneath. He was averaging in, in 87, 15 yards of completion. And to put that in context, the league leading team this year is like 11. I mean, it's, really? it did not happen that, uh, or it does not happen these days that teams throw it down the field like that. So you got to love a journeyman backup guy who waited so long and then came out firing. Like, good for you, man. Um, that's, and that's, that's a great one. And he made full use of the 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 number one missing person in the Vikings Ring of Honor, Anthony Carter. Yeah, yeah. What's he made up full use. Anthony Carter was a better receiver here than Ahmad Rashad, and people don't realize that because he was, uh, you know, kind of a grumpy fella. But uh, he was, uh, you know, I mean, he was great. And <laughs> look, that playoff run in '87. <laughs> Incredible in that yeah. one. I have Ahmad's no going to hear that you said that, by the way, and he's going to okay. come, come find you. Exactly. <laughs> Track me down, right? And, uh, last thing on Wade Wilson, good for him, got a Super Bowl ring with the Cowboys as their backup. Yes, um, he did. Yes, so he did. Really cool for him. And part of also one of the cooler uh, New Orleans Saints teams in the early 90s as well. So the next guy on your list, uh, I know uh, that Vikings fans – are just like looking back and thinking how great it would be if this guy could be a current Viking because they have so many issues at guard, and that is Randall McDaniel. And he's on there strictly because I'm of the opinion that the greatest Viking ever was Alan Page, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, and you, he never wins the, the poll, the, the fan voting for – 30-year teams and 40-year teams and that stuff because Randy Moss wins it, and he certainly was phenomenal. Right. But I think longevity and dominant at their position, uh, Randall McDaniel is number two behind Alan Page. Randall McDaniel, he was unbelievable as the left guard. And uh, it's uh, I remember Tice when he was the offensive line coach walking around the locker room one day and he, you know, we all got along with Tice. He was crazier than a hoot owl, but he was fun. He says, I got to show you this. I got to show you this. He comes over, he's got a piece of paper and it's, it's Randall McDaniel's grade for the last game. 100, <laughs> 100. He was undefeated. And he, he told me, you know, as far as getting beat in that game and, Tice was talking like he had 10 or 11 games where he didn't get beat once, you know, <laughs> and, and that's not only on a pass protection, that's blocking the guy he's supposed to block and, and doing his job on the runs. He was just phenomenal. And, you know, he taught school when he got done. He's just a, and the other thing I always loved about him was 
but I, I remember doing a long piece on him and this and this came out, but uh never missed a day of school. Really? From, kinder, from kindergarten to graduating from high school. Oh, wow. And I talked I talked to a couple I talked to a, one of his parents, I talked to a couple of people who actually taught him down in Arizona. Never missed a day never missed a practice. Never missed uh you know, with the Vikings, he never missed a he, he missed like he did something. He screwed up his knee once, but his first eight years or so, he never missed a practice. They didn't, you know, none of this Wednesday not practice and stuff for the <laughs> veteran. He was just the most reliable guy ever, and a really, you know, a neat family man type of the, the clean cut, but just a warrior. And uh, I think he was, uh, he, he was, he was the, uh, you look him up in the dictionary, he's the gentle giant, you know, because yeah. in the game, he had a little nastier attitude than he had uh, <laughs> out out among people. Still around town here, and uh, again, sort of gets overlooked because he's a guard. Right. We're talking about the greatest players that ever played in the team. Certainly the best offensive lineman this team ever had, but really a classy guy. And he, you know, he wouldn't go deep and break down a game for you, but he was always, he'd always give you a quote, and he'd always, uh, you know, he stand in front of the TV cameras and answer questions. And, uh, and, uh, he was, uh, he was, a he was, is, a, is a great guy and a phenomenal player. He is, uh, by pro football reference, uh, approximate value, which is kind of like a wins above replacement for football. He is the fourth most valuable Viking of all time. Now, I mean, uh, Mick Tinglehoff played longer for the yeah. Vikings, so he's a little a little bit ahead of McDaniel. But it's Tinglehoff, Carl Eller, Alan Page, Randall McDaniel, Fran Tarkenton is the is the top five. So he is in the rarest of rare air, and it's not too often you see a guard and you know among the all time great when it comes to that. And uh, no, it is. My, it my is. favorite part about him is just that. They would put him at fullback sometimes, right? Like he would do things yes. that was that were crazy. I was watching a game from the '90s, and I was like, "What the hell did I just see?" <laughs> <laughs> well, they did there? that. I they did that in college with him, and, and, and in high school they'd put him back. You know, he was always he's fast. You know, he was yeah. fast. He was yeah. a sprinter in uh, high school. He ran. You know, That's it wasn't crazy. like he was. He wasn't like he was winning the Arizona State Championship, but he was going to the state meet as a sprinter and uh, just an amazing athlete. And uh, I, I got to, when did, where did they draft him? I can't uh, 19th overall. 19th, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he's a tackle today, he'd be number one, you know. So, oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Imagine Vikings drafting linemen at the top sometimes. <laughs> anyway, uh, not always, though. Next guy on your list, uh, someone that uh, is in my sort of uh, golden age of uh, growing up watching the NFL, and that is John Randall, uh, who to me is so much fun because he – I didn't even realize when I was watching him as a kid on TV how small he was, that that was the big story. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that was the most fun for me is just he looked insane. When he was playing, I mean, he just looked so out of his mind with the face paint and everything else. I was like, I'm cheering for that crazy man to sack the and, quarterback. And it wasn't an act. <laughs> insane. When it came time to play, he was insane. I think he was what, two, 
40 when they drafted him or yeah. something like yeah. that and, and maybe less than that and they just built they didn't even know what they were getting when they drafted him if they I think they thought they might turn him into a linebacker or something I spent the first year on the on the practice squad basically whatever yeah. we called it back then but he got to about what 270 max i think maybe not maybe not listed as 290 but i don't think he ever got never never made that he wasn't tall either you know he wasn't tall he was six two maybe i don't know listed at uh, six one yeah i'm sick okay but he you meet some guys and you're like oh my god but i've seen john randall up close you're like that's john randall like that (laughs) that's that's the guy who had 15 sacks that guy who's like my size he was an absolute – well, he was the closest thing to Paige. He was an absolute bullet off the – I mean, that – how many times did he get to the quarterback or get to the running back by just one little – just one little slap of the hand and boom, the guy would go, okay, he's right there. I know I'm going to lay a glove on him and he'd be gone. But – uh <laughs> the quotes were, you know, while John Randall, while Randall McDaniel's quotes made sense, one great thing about Randall is rarely did his quotes make any sense, especially <laughs> after, especially after game. Right. But he was, uh, you know, when he came up, he was the greatest guy ever. But there was a the the feud between the local press and the Vikings was uh, was at a high level there uh, when he came up and. And Henry Thomas, who was another guy who came up as a rookie and was great, but he then got mad at everybody. So he did his best to poison the whole, you know, defensive line. So Randall was trying to be grumpy. You know, Randall, his his nature was to be a good guy in the clubhouse, but he was, you know, Henry Thomas had been working on him. To, Don't talk to these bleepers, you know? Yeah. yeah. So... So one day I, I go in the locker room and he's got those, those little like charcoal drawings of Barrero and I were the columnist at the paper. Yeah. And he had them taped on his locker on the corner, like on one of the corners of his locker there, the, the, the railing in the locker. He had, he had me and then him because he wanted to know which of us was which. And, and I said, I went over and I said, it's not an issue. Uh, John, John, I'm this big tubby guy and Barrero, Barrero looks like he's anorexic. He's the skinny guy. I'm the fat guy. It's not that hard, John. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, he, he loosened up in his old age and, uh, you know, and got, and he was, uh, he was, he was fun to cover because you know every time they played the Packers, it was a it was a melodrama. It was a play because of him and Favre and the, mm-hmm. the rivalry and uh, you know and and I mean it was he sincerely. I mean it was not an act. I think he sincerely is the most ferocious competitor in the sixty years of the franchise because it was. I mean I can't imagine how long it took him to calm down after a game. It did. I mean, because he was just enraged uh, the whole game and fired up. And uh, and a, another amazing story because that's you shouldn't be that good at that size at, right. that, position, at that position. And they could, you know, 
they could have kept him outside and played him in an end and he would have been fantastic too. But they were smart when they saw him inside and saw how quick he was. He was a, it wasn't just rushing to pass. He was a great run stuffer because nobody could block him. I mean, nobody could, nobody could get a clean, you know, in that big mess in there, nobody could get a clean hit on him and he just, he just made great plays. But interesting cat. It's funny to me that he turned out to be a guy who loves golf. Yeah, you yeah, know, he's tweeting about that know, all the time. Yep, he certainly does not have the attitude. For a <laughs> I, I would imagine the number of clubs that have been bent over his knee is uh, is enormous. But he he was fun to cover. There's no doubt about it because he was always interesting and uh, and great. You know, I mean, just well, he's a he's. You got the you got the uh, the purple people eaters, an amazing crew. But I think. I might put him ahead of Al. I think I might put him second all time behind or behind Page. I'd put him ahead of Al, I think. Want to remind you about our friends at Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, you can get free shipping at SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There's so many great designs, including Chuck Foreman's Spin Doctor shirts, Skull hats, straight cash homie shirts, and much, much more. And if you are a hockey fan with that getting going soon or a basketball fan, make sure you check out all sorts of great designs. Their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it that's sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping six all pros in a row by the way for yes for john randall i mean that's really hard to do six yeah they weren't all great teams you know they were it was not it was not like they were going to the super bowl every year Right, and his, um, if people want to check it out, his A Football Life documentary, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those, Patrick, but um, it's great. Like, it, they sort of recreate uh, his family home where he grew up and sort of the difficult circumstances he grew up under, and then they go through his career. It's it's a really good documentary for Vikings fans who haven't seen it. It's probably on YouTube. Um, so next now, time- he and Wilson, he and Wilson weren't the same. Uh, he was eight, he was Texas A&I, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And Wilson, Wilson was East, East Texas. Yeah. They were two different places, I believe. Yeah. Or, uh, well, Texas A&M Kingsville is John Rand. Yeah. But it was that- Texas A&I. Oh, it's A&I. Oh, okay. Back yeah, okay. Yeah. And I don't so- even know what the I stands for. Industrial, I think. Agricultural and industrial. Yeah. That's, um, uh. Well, you know, that's the model. That's that's who they should uh, always go after, you know. That, but that always <laughs> impresses you about the, the – you got somebody, whether it's Studwell or Jerry Rykow or Frank Gilliam or somebody, finding a guy like that at Texas A&I, that's I pretty know. good stuff. That's pretty good stuff right there. I mean, that is one of the things that makes the sport great is that there's yeah. dudes at Alabama or at the time it might have been Miami or Notre Dame who who are five-star recruits who from the time they were 12 years old were going to be the best players. And here's a guy from absolutely nowhere who ends up being the Hall of Famer. So how about that? Um, yes. Next on your list, now you're going to have to tell me more about Jerry Burns because – I was not old enough to really know Jerry Burns as a coach. So when you sent out the guidelines, 
You said coach or player. Yeah, so, yep, yep. Just, well, I just said Vikings. I, I didn't now, say uh, has Bernsie, to be players. Bernsey goes back all the way to being an assistant coach with the Iowa Hawkeyes when they were the Gophers' arch rival in the 50s, right? I mean, the, the Gophers... The Gophers beating Iowa in 1960, the year they went to Rose Bowl for the first time, the greatest Gopher game ever because Iowa was one and they were three, and it was. But Bernsey was, uh, you know, Bernsey was an assistant coach on that team, and then he replaced the guy, the coach, the head coach there was Forrest Evashevsky, who. <laughs> Uh, we we always suspected Iowa, even though I was a kid, I'd heard it that Iowa did. They were recruiting. They were we didn't we didn't we thought they were cheating. <laughs> well, Sid, Sid used to always then Bernsey replaced Evashevsky, Evie, as everybody called him, as the head coach. And according to Sid, it was always that they Evie made Bernsey stop cheating because Evie didn't want anybody to be as Evie became the AD and didn't want him to be as successful as he'd been that was but anyway Bernsey got fired Bernsey got fired at Iowa ended up with Lombardi in Green Bay for the first Super Bowl yes for the first Super Bowl or maybe both of them and uh, but he was the defensive backs coach there and then when uh Bud came in from uh, Winnipeg in 1967. He hired Bernsey as the offensive coordinator. And what was funny is it was hard. Bud didn't let his assistants routinely talk. And this was, you know, that's that's fairly common now, you know, and they have set up interviews and stuff. Yeah. But you just couldn't go over and get Bernsey after the game to have him break the game down for right, you. Right, right. But – Fortunately for us at Met Stadium, uh, when we were in the in the lot in the uh, in the uh, football press box, there was a Viking booth next to us, and we would hear every Sunday if you were there the greatest litany of profanities <laughs> being screamed out of the out of the offensive when they had the ball, and it just right then I didn't really know him well, but I said. You know, as a as a guy who's fond of profanity, this this was a clinic. <laughs> this was a, this this was a clinic. It was hilarious because he would just get so worked up. But you know, he's kind of the inner. A lot of people think the inventor of the West Coast before Walsh. You know, there's George. You know, Chuck Foreman, Ricky Young, all these guys catching. Yeah. 90 passes a year and and the the Dinkin that you use the pass as a as a run you know right type of system and uh and now bud quits in 83 but they don't give bernsey the job they hired that les deckel right that worked out and uh it was a disaster and then they went back and and finally uh you know went back to bernsey that was what after Bud quit after eighty four, was it or eighty three? Uh, must have been after eighty four because um, Burns took over in eighty six. No, no, less right? less coached eighty four. So oh, Burnsy then. Okay. Burnsy then. Oh, they brought Bud back for a year. That's right. right. That's Remember right. They, brought yeah. Bud Bud came they back. bribed Bud to come back for a year. <laughs> I'm forgetting that. Bud basically, I'd like to get a copy of Bud's contract. He had every his Mike Grant will tell you a Bud. 
Bud thought of everything in this contract. He basically blackmailed Lynn into giving him everything, including an office with a window. I was going to say perpetuity. He still has an office. Yes, right. That's. I think that's part of that contract is that he still has an office at TCO Performance Center. Yes. Well, and and in the old place, it had to have a window, even if he wasn't doing anything. So anyway, Bernsey finally takes over in '86, and we we I mean, guys had gotten to know him, but we really got to know him in those years. And it's funny, the locker room was like hostile to a degree, and Bernsey could be hostile as hell, and he'd scream at people. You, you, uh, Matthew, you, you've never seen this little tiny room that they have their, the media in. It's like that little place when you first came into, you were at Winter Park for a couple yeah, of no, years. Yeah, I've, no, I've been in that room. I did an and interview. In that little room. I've done people some go interviews. in there to go yeah. to the men's room. Yeah, now, I've but, done like uh, one-on-one interviews in that room before. And yeah, I don't know yeah, how you fit multiple there people. There would be like six guys in there. <laughs> and, and he'd get on one of his tirades. And uh, the famous one with Bernsey was at, in 87, after they lost on Saturday, Sansevier was in there. And there was about only about five or six of us there because they, you know, they'd lost. And and that's when Sansevier asked him about Killer Instinct, that they didn't have Killer Instinct. And the tirade that we hear about Schnelker the killer instinct one was just as good, except it's not on tape. Nobody oh. had it on tape. We don't have it on tape. But in that little room with Bernsey screaming about killer instinct, <laughs> it was just fabulous. And he was, he's just a great guy. I had a chance to play a lot of golf with him later in life. But he was always fun to cover because he had no ability to BS you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He'd just answer the question and if he that's the dumbest bleeping question I ever heard. If it was a dumb if it was a dumb question he'd tell you was it Yeah, the only thing that the only thing we miss really of these ages of the generation is we should have had Thomason to ask Bernsey questions. <laughs> Would have been that would have as world class as Thomason asking Zimmer questions is it would have been even better, Bernsey. But Bernsey didn't stay mad at you, you know. If, even if he, you know, he'd yell at you, and he he was a offensive genius for that age too. Yeah, in this little tiny scrawny package of you know the skinniest guy ever, and uh, I I you know. I wouldn't say it's love hate because I always loved them, but there was a little hate on the other side once in a while. <laughs> but it, didn't, it didn't last too long, but just everybody that ever covered Birdsey just thought he was the greatest. And there's a famous story about Mike Lynn gets, they, they get off to a lousy start one year. They're one and six, and then they win five in a row, and then they lose one, but they still have a chance to make a playoff, and they're going to Tampa. I'd have to look up what testimony was. A, the Tampa quarterback. They're going to Tampa, and if they win the last three, they can still make the playoffs. So he, Lynn decides to send everybody down to Orlando, and and uh, you know, so some of us scam our way to go down there with them. You know, <laughs> to be down there, a couple, you know, about three or four guys. Wong was there, 
from St. Paul and I was there and I, I don't know who else was there for three or four, but we end up with the media session with Bernsey and, and the Merrill Swanson was the old PR guy. And we end up in Merrill Swanson's room with Bernsey for the post game, post practice thing. Uh, you know, we got to know what happened in practice today to write something. Right. Yeah. And the Merrill's got the beer, the bathtub full of beer. And I don't drink. Longer had a couple, maybe. And then, but basically, Bernsey must have drank 10 beers. And it was like <laughs> three hours, two and a half hours. And he started telling stories about Iowa and every, about Lombardi and about everything. And I don't think anybody had a tape recorder going. It could have been a documentary, man. It was oh, hysterical. Man. It was an hysterical. And all of a sudden he gets up and goes to the boys' room. And he leaves. He's going down the hall, and we still haven't gotten a quote on what happened in practice <laughs> today. And we're yelling, Birdsy, Birdsy, stop. We got to get something. He says, boys, when the beer runs out, the BS stops. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he is. He's still with us, and he's a, he just, I mean, we, we all just, I mean, Tice, everybody liked Tice, too, because he was goofy, and he'd get, he'd get fired up about stuff, and, uh, but but not as much fun as Bernsey was, and uh, we just you know Bud was Bud was smart and calculating, and would never give you anything he didn't want to give you. And who yeah. wants to cover a guy like that? <laughs> you know, I'd rather right. I'd rather have the guy that screamed at me once in a while. You know. Yeah. Yep, yep, definitely. And uh, those moments, unfortunately, are fewer and farther between as the NFL tries to uh, build the tallest wall of all time. And uh, zoom, zoom in front of it. The Zoom era post-pandemic is going to be the worst thing that ever happened to American sports writing because this is we have seen the future and it ain't good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this year was not fun. Not fun no. at all. It's uh, it's one of my favorite things to be in the locker room on a Friday where everyone's hanging out and you can sort of BS a little and learn a little bit more about the people that you cover and just talk, whatever. And, uh, yeah, that's about that's about the most you get, except for the NFL Combine, where you never know who you're going to run into and what kind of conversations you're going to have. So, but that's, yeah, that's, that's a great story. So the last guy on your list is Mike Tice. Um, and, uh, you know, another one where I am not super familiar with Mike Tice's time as the head coach with the Vikings. I mean, they certainly had some amazing offenses and terrible defenses and were entertaining as hell, but I don't know a ton about him as a head coach. All right, everybody, the Super Bowl is coming up, and sure, we'll all be watching the game, but the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. And we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting, and with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up, 
up for the Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game so you know which team the professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And you can track every bet to make sure that you get alerts in real time. So when you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now. Receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code INSIDER. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com, sign up for a Pro subscription, and use the promo code INSIDER to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Well, uh, you know what? They in nineteen in two thousand four, they get one of the greatest years ever out of uh, Deontay Culpepper, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, he was he was phenomenal that year, and Ticey ends up having a, 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 a they go down and they beat the Packers in a in a playoff game. Yep. And and then. Red was trying to set it up to sell the team and didn't want to spend any money at all, you know. So Red lets Scott Linehan leave, who was Dante's guy. Right. And then he, they get rid of Moss, and they give him Steve Loney, who's the nicest guy ever, as an, but hadn't even been a college offensive coordinator as their offensive coordinator. So he gave Tice no chance. And, then, and of course, then Ziggy comes in that year, but there was, by then there was, you know, they, the, the ship had sailed as far as the coaching staff is concerned. And Ticey had no chance. Considering, you know, that Denny's last team, 2001, he got, he got, Zimmer got, I mean, uh, Green got fired basically with one game to go on the ski mm-hmm. schedule. Tice, uh, Tice coached the last game. And they were in terrible shape then. And you look back, uh, I mean, they had Moss and really nothing else. And you look back at their record, and it wasn't that bad. He was okay. But my favorite ever is uh, he goes to uh, – they go down to burn at Green Bay. And they're terrible, and Green Bay's good. And they basically have them beat. And, and they – get a bunch of goofy calls and end up beating loads of the Packers. And Kevin Seifert was the main beat guy for the, uh, for the uh, Star Tribune and Bill Williamson was the main beat guy for the Pioneer Press. And I mean, they were Tyson would take walks with them around the practice field during lunch, you know, so, I mean, that's the kind of access he had. And he, if, it, if one of us guys was out there, he'd scream at us, but he was great. But I'll never forget that he was screaming about the lousy calls after the game in Green Bay, and and then he then the NBA the NFL like on Tuesday sends the Vikings a letter that points out that yes they made eight bad calls right <laughs> I think it was eight bad calls wow. or at least questionable so he has the yeah. letter and we're sitting in that little room. And at the the racquetball court that yep. they turned into a room, and and Tice comes up, comes in, 
waving that letter around. Look at this bleeper, bleeper, and all. You know, there's 15 of us in there, 12 of us in there, and you know, the AP and and everybody's in there, and. And he's waving the letter. I look at it. You know, he's screaming about everything. Next day's paper said, blah, blah, blah. They received the letter. Mike Tice refused to comment. <laughs> 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 he says, don't, he's leaving. He says, don't tell him I, here's the, here's the letter. Don't tell him I gave it to you. You know, don't say I <laughs> But he was, uh, that's great. Yeah, he was an interest. He was great as a player, too. He was a great, great talker and, uh, and uh, you know would would give you some insightful stuff, and he was uh, he was he was fun. And I think you know you look back, and it, he was you know he was in a tough situation. He, I don't think he was an incompetent coach. He probably was. I mean, scalping tickets and the love boat and stuff like that yeah. didn't do him yeah. any good. But uh, right. but he was. Uh, we all love Dicey, so and still do. And you know. A guy who has his own parking, a coach who's got his own parking spot, spot at Bunny's Sports Bar out there in uh, St. Louis Park. You gotta like him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a real, just like a football guy is the way yeah. that you could, you know, like not like you say, like he's not a salesman or not a BSer, but just a a straight up football guy. So, um, and it was a very good. He was a very good offensive line coach too, and he worked those guys hard, and he was, uh, you know, he knew what he was doing, but he's, you know. Probably, probably not disciplined enough to be the disciplined leader of the team. <laughs> but uh, I, I, in fact, caught him. Uh, he's Barrero has him on, I believe, on Saturdays. I ran into. I was listening the other day, and I ran in. I said, "Who is that?" I, 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 I turned it in. started, and the guy was interested as hell. Then I said, "Oh, it's Tice. That's why he's had his on." So uh, He's he's allegedly retired. I always thought he'd end up as a college coach somewhere, you know, go back to Maryland or something. He's doing a I YouTube thought... uh, broadcast, I, I think. I, I watched. Oh yeah, last... he does it. Yeah, he's I watched something it. last year where he was doing a YouTube breakdown of all the offensive linemen in the draft. Yeah, well, he would not. Uh, he would not pull any punches. That's for sure. He would be uh, fun in that area. I mean, there's been, you know. You may, it's kind of tough to say this player and that player, but, uh, but there's uh, been a lot of interesting cats. I wouldn't put Moss on a list because, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was I, I'll never forgive him really. And not, it didn't involve me, but the Vikings at first Thanksgiving, right? It, he's played. They go down to Dallas. Oh yeah, you probably uh, remember that game. He oh, caught. Yeah. I think he only caught three passes, but they're all touchdowns. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, the, and this is when the whole national media came to the Thanksgiving game, and they all came to Mount because of my, you know, the guy that when I be that, I mean, like the guy from the New York Times and the guy from the Chicago Tribune and the, yep, yep. the big papers around town, as well as you know the the start of the websites and stuff like that too. So there's 20 guys there who want to do nothing except go down and write about how great Randy Moss is, right? And he basically MFs all of them and blows them off. And I thought, how can you be this stupid? Because, I mean, <laughs> you, can be, you can be for no particular reason because he'd only been praised by them locally. But you can, you can blow the local guys off. That, that makes sense. But 
to blow, to blow these guys off for no reason is just uh, it indicates to me that uh, uh, there's something wrong with you between the ears, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean there kind of was with with. Oh Wilson yeah, there and, was. So you know, he certainly matured. He, you know, mm-hmm. post football he did mature, and uh, you know he does his. He doesn't ever say anything on TV that people love him anyway. So, <laughs> so you know. you, uh, you wanted to add one more bonus, which was Fred Zamberletti. Um, yes. So go the ahead trainer, with that. The trainer for life. And uh, probably I used to uh, make trips to Mankato rarely because, you know, the, they – Standing around watching practice was not my deal. But when I did, I'd always go down. The main reason to be go down would be to see Zambi mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and listen to his pontification for like 40, 50 minutes. But I remember, you know, but he had not only team historian, but a great observer of football in general. And I remember I'd written something about Carter, Anthony Carter, that was negative about him. That kind of indicated, because he'd had a bad couple of games, and it was, you were wondering, is he, is he giving it, giving it his all? And, you know, I kind of wrote that, suggesting that, uh, that, uh, there was more to give than he was giving, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, only time of all the years we knew each other, Bernsey called me up and he got a hold of me at the office and said, uh, I want to tell you, uh, and he had a nickname for me that would be a little profane, so we won't <laughs> mention it, but uh, you're wrong about this one. You're wrong about this one. This guy is playing when he shouldn't be playing. He's got all these problems. Nobody, nobody cares more than him. Nobody wants to be great by him. He said he's he's a different kind of personality and that he's not outgoing. Unlike Chris Carter, he's not out selling himself. He's not, but he said, you're wrong about this one. And I said, Zambi, if you tell me that, I will 100% uh, agree with it and I will make up for it. So, uh, I mean, that's a, he, was a, he was a trustworthy guy and he was not like everything the Vikings do is fantastic, uh, you know, and he was, I, when I was, uh, when we were doing our Super Bowl stuff, no, not Super Bowl stuff before that, maybe when they were making their, uh, must have been an anniversary of the uh, first Super Bowl loss, uh, you know, I don't know when it was, uh, it wasn't that long ago though, but I remember when we went out and had about a two-hour conversation with him, and uh and uh, we got to talking about that that first Super Bowl, and he I remember him saying, "You know, we had we didn't know anything about the Chiefs. We hadn't seen the Chiefs. We, you know, different league, different conference. Yeah. We didn't see the Chiefs." And he said, "I remember we were down there, and did they? I had they weaned himself off Freddie Cox yet? Was he still kicking? I don't know if Freddie was kicking or Rick Danmeyer, but Freddie, you know, kicking the ball straight ahead, you know, down there making half his field goals and being in love. And Zambi's saying, I saw Stenerode practicing his kickoffs. And I said, 
we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was a it, he said it was a different breed of athlete yeah. that, that team has had. And when you go back and look at that Kansas City team, Unbelievable. The, Vikings were, yeah. the Vikings were twelve and a half point favorites, but they weren't twelve and a half point only hmm. because of the AF, AFL NFL thing. Because I think they're up to eight Hall of Famers now, and that does not include Otis Taylor. Or the left tackle, who I ended up writing about a while back, Jim Tyree, who's not in the Hall of Fame because he killed his wife and uh, murder-suicide mental breakdown thing. Thanks. Uh, but they're basically they got should have ten Hall of Famers on that team, and uh, and but Zambi was he would be candid about that stuff, which uh, you don't get from everybody. But he was, I mean, he was probably the most famous trainer in the world, except maybe for George Toma growing grass, you know, but Zambi was certainly the most quoted trainer in the history of Minnesota (laughs) sports. That's for sure. Just because he was so quotable, but uh, he was uh, just a wonderful guy too. So uh, I got to have Zambi on my list. Well, that's great. And I am so glad that you could kick this series off because uh, that was everything I would hope it would be, Patrick, like great, great stories and, and your thoughts on a lot of, um, you know, people that Vikings fans are interested in and love. And I, I hope that we can on this series continue to do it this way. And I also hope that you and I can catch up and talk about some other things as well. At some point, I was thinking about an idea where you just ask me about football stuff, because when we would be on the air together, yeah. that's how it used to be. It'd be like, why did I do this? <laughs> yes, because you watched the twenty-two man and all. Yes, that all twenty-two. Yes, yes. 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 That, I, that's going to be our next one. Is it, why do they do this? And I'll answer all your questions. I was raised to follow the football. <laughs> it's like, and and in hockey, I was raised to hope I could see the puck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I see it. There it goes. So. Yep. yep. All right. Um, this was fun. This was yeah, good. It, it was. All right. Good. Good luck uh, with your. Uh, uh, endeavors on this whole series here. So good. I appreciate it, Patrick. Thanks for your time, man. All right, Matthew. Say hello to Harold for me. <laughs> I will do that. And everyone should read your column where you interviewed my dad because you did a great job <laughs> of that right, and gave him a thrill. So thanks, Patrick. All right, Matthew.